0: Hello and welcome to episode number 45 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week in the week that has just seen International Women's Day uh, just passed, I thought that what I would do is focus on uh, a, a woman from Scottish history. One that I've mentioned a couple of times before in previous episodes, but one that definitely, definitely deserves her own special episode. So here we go with episode number 45 as we talk about Saint Margaret. St Margaret of Scotland is still Scotland's only royal saint. Her name can be seen or heard of all over Scotland. Churches, schools, a university and even a chapel in Edinburgh all bear her name. Like St Andrew, Margaret was not even Scottish. She was a princess of England born in Hungary. However, during her time in Scotland, she became one of the most famous female figures in Scottish history. Margaret was the daughter of the English prince known as Edward the Exile and his wife Agatha. Margaret's grandfather was Edmund Ironside, who was King of England for just over seven months in the year 1016. Upon Ironside's death, the new English king Knut the Great banished Edward, hence the exile, and his brother Edmund to Sweden, where apparently the two boys were supposed to be killed. However, due to family ties in Sweden, King Olaf the Swede instead sent the boys to live with King Stephen I in Hungary to keep them safe. During this time, Edward met Agatha and in around 1045, Margaret was born. Edward and Agatha also had another two children, named Edgar and Christina. In 1057, the whole family returned to England where Margaret's great-uncle, King Edward the Confessor, was now king. Edward the Confessor had apparently named Edward the Exile as his heir, However, the exile died almost immediately after their arrival in England, at which point Margaret's brother Edgar was named as the heir. In January 1066, Edward the Confessor died and instead of Edgar, Harold Godwinson, or Harold the Second, was selected as king. Harold famously lost the Battle of Hastings on the fourteenth of October ten sixty six to the Normans and William the Bastard, or latterly known as William the Conqueror. William took Edgar to France in ten sixty six and they returned to England in ten sixty eight where shortly after Margaret and her family fled to Northumbria with the aim of heading back to Hungary. According to tradition, they set sail from Northumbria, but due to a storm, they were blown into the Firth of Forth and shipwrecked on the northern Fife side. Due to their regality, they were taken in by King Malcolm the of Scots. Malcolm took a shine to Margaret, and the two were married by 1070. There is, however, another story if the Orderic Vitalis is to be believed. This says that Malcolm agreed with Edward the Confessor in 1059 that he would marry Margaret then. The marriage, of course, well, obviously didn't then happen, so this may be the reason why Malcolm invaded Northumbria in 1061. Regardless, Malcolm had been married once before he married Margaret. He had been married to the widow of Thorfinn the Mighty, the 11th Earl of Orkney. Her name was Ingeborg and together they had had two sons, Duncan, who later became Duncan II of Scots, and Donald, who died in 1085. Ingeborg herself died sometime prior to 1070. During their marriage, Margaret and Malcolm had eight children, of which six sons and two daughters. Of their children, three of them became King of Scots. That was Edgar between 1097 and 1107. Alexander I between 1107 and 1124. And David I between 1124 and 1153. One of their daughters, Edith, who was actually renamed Matilda, Uh, upon her coronation, became Queen of England when she married King Henry I. Margaret was a deeply religious woman. She had been brought up with the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. It was with these teachings that she greatly affected and changed the course of Scotland. Firstly, she educated Malcolm on these teachings. Now Malcolm wasn't a particularly religious man, however he tolerated everything that Margaret did and that was something that came up many many times within the research is that regardless whether Malcolm was religious or not he loved Margaret so much that it didn't bother him and it didn't bother her that he wasn't necessarily a believer himself but then she instigated religious reform in the Church of Scotland to the ways of how they worshipped in Rome. She did this under the guidance of the Benedictine monk Lanfranc, who would later become the Archbishop of Canterbury. She also ensured that the practices within Scottish churches conformed to that of the practices in which she grew up with. She was then considered an exemplary example of a just ruler, which was passed on to her husband and was also evident in their son David I when he became king. Margaret was also responsible for Lent in Scotland to be observed from Ash Wednesday and not from the following Monday as had been the case previously. Margaret was an exceptionally charitable woman and was and still is held in the highest regard by the people of Scotland. She put herself to serving the poor and the orphans by washing their feet in imitation of Christ. In 1072, she invited the Benedictine Order to construct a monastery in the historical Kingdom of Fife at the former capital city of Dunfermline. Nearby the Abbey of Dunfermline, Margaret would visit a cave known now as St Margaret's Cave where she would pray. This site is open to the public, however it does sit under a council car park. She also called for the release of many English who had been exiled during the Norman invasion of England, as well as calling for the restoration of the abbey on the island of Iona. Nowadays, many Scots make a mention to St Margaret almost every day. This is because of two small villages on either side of the Firth of Forth. These villages are North and South Queen's Ferry. The term Queen's Ferry refers to the free ferry service introduced in the late 11th century by Queen or Saint Margaret. The ferry was introduced to aid the pilgrims wanting to head to St Andrews on their pilgrimage. Without this ferry across the Firth of Forth, many would face a very long journey or simply not be able to achieve reaching St Andrews at all. The ferry between North and South Queensferry continued from the 11th century until the 20th century when in 1964 the Forth Road Bridge was opened. A ferry was also introduced at North Berwick as well uh, by Margaret once again for the use by pilgrims. Malcolm and Margaret lived a happy life until the 13th of November 1093, when Malcolm and their eldest son Edward were killed in the Battle of Annick. Margaret's son Edgar was tasked with informing Margaret of the news. She was absolutely and utterly distraught. Margaret died within three days, on the 16th of November, 1093. They say she died of grief, but what most people say is that she died of a broken heart. She was then buried before the high altar at Dunfermline Abbey. In 1250, Pope Innocent IV canonised Margaret and a special shrine was erected at Dunfermline Abbey. It is reported that as Margaret's casket was being carried past Malcolm's grave, the coffin suddenly felt increasingly heavy and the casket had to be dropped. The decision was then made to also exhume Malcolm's casket and the two were laid to rest beside each other at the shrine. During the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, Mary Queen of Scots had Margaret's head exhumed which later was secured by the Jesuits in France. It is believed, however, that the head was lost during the French Revolution. Later, King Philip of Spain had the two bodies of Malcolm and Margaret removed from the shrine for safekeeping, yet today their location is unknown. Parts of the shrine still exist to this day outside of Dunfermline Abbey, and Dunfermline Abbey is well worth a visit if you're in the area. Aside from the connection to Margaret, it is, of course, the final resting place of King Robert the Bruce. So, folks, I want to thank you very much again for listening to the podcast. I love it each and every single one of you uh, for continuing to listen it it blows my mind Uh, this week we have seen the podcast reach over 100,000 listens uh, which is utterly utterly incredible Um, the the listeners have just been going up and up and up Um, so whatever we're doing folks we're doing it right so keep sharing that keep telling your friends about it um, give me places in which to share the podcast so that we can uh, share this wonderful thing that we've got going on with as many people as we possibly can. Aside from that, folks, if you want to uh, contact me in any way you can do so through the various means. Uh, the main one is, of course, through the official website which is www.scotthistorypod.com Uh, there's an email form that you can fill in there and contact me I've had uh, quite a few emails so uh, I apologise if I've not got round to you just yet but I promise I will Um, you can also uh, contact me directly on the email which is scotthistorypod at gmail.com you can do it that way Uh, we're also on of course the normal social medias Facebook, Twitter and Instagram just search Scottish History Podcast Uh, On the YouTube channel at this moment in time there are two episodes of Whiskey Wednesday up there so if you like your whiskey and you want to see me taste and review uh, on episode number one I also show you the way in which I taste the whiskeys so if you want to know how to taste a whiskey properly um, through a visual means rather than the way that I explained it in the audio only podcast you can do so on there. So head over to youtube.com forward slash the Scottish History Podcast, and that's all one word. So there are going to be two H's between Scottish and history. So yeah. There are also two ways in which you can uh, support the podcast if you want to. It is not necessary, but it is greatly, greatly appreciated to every single one of you, especially those of you who have, of course, chosen to support the podcast You can do that via buymeacoffee.com forward slash scotthistorypod. Through that you can give a one-off donation or alternatively if you want to support the podcast monthly you can do so via Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash scotthistorypod and you can donate anything between £1 and £3 every single month to the podcast and that uh, helps pay for the hosting fees and things like that so once again folks what a week it's been uh, again i apologize for not being with you last week um again those of you that know me know the reason why i wasn't here last week um so yeah I, again i just want to thank you very much uh for listening and i will speak to you again next time thank you very much bye-bye